Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors might provide the roadmap for that journey. We'll talk to them most Thursdays, and hopefully you'll get some blessings from that. On most Thursdays, I will be talking with those mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis coaches and players. Often you will hear Alan Fox, Chuck Reesey, who you will hear today, Dr. John Murray, who will probably, hopefully will be hearing again after the uh, football season's over, uh, being I'm not uh, watching the NFL. Uh, we're not going to uh, make it. I don't want to sit there and get anybody in an embarrassing situation, so we'll hopefully see him in February. Other notables who we suspect will be returning to share their perspective on coaches is Ashley Hobson, Linda LeClaire, Scott Williams, Dr. Bryce Young, Tom Farham, and, of course, uh, former players like Scott Engie, uh, who was on a couple weeks ago, a longtime high school coach, father a longtime high school coach, now coaching uh, college, and, but still very active with the high school coaching. Because uh, the sleeping giant, in my opinion, is really in high school uh, coaching. Uh, we're going to awaken it one of these days and uh, bring it back to competition. Uh, I would like to uh, thank the Yellow Ball Network CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting uh, our tennis network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you are missing out on some useful information. Of course, the nice thing about Blunt Talk Radio is that if you can't tune in live, you can listen whenever you choose. I have uh, not yet listened to uh, yesterday's uh, uh, broadcast of American Tennis, which uh, Today's uh, mentor, uh, Coach Chuck Reesey, but you can bet your life I will listen to it like I listen to all those broadcasts. And because I do believe Dr. King when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday, time permitting, I will add my personal views on North American tennis and naturally, you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and colleges. And the almighty willing, you will also be able to continue reading my views in Florida Tennis Magazine. Now in its 25th year, and uh, as I have previously expressed, if you, have, if you disagree with my views, please email me, and I will sit there and... Uh, give you a chance to say and um, express your views. You can email me at coachdenise.fhstca at att.net. That's coachdenise, D-A-N-I-S-E, at, I'm sorry, dot, F-H-S-T-C-A at att.net. Okay, let me go through that again. I probably messed you all up. It's Coach D-A-N-I-S-E, period, F-H-S-T-C-A, at A-T-T dot net. Who knows? I may even share your views. Uh, it won't be the first time. Um some of you uh, were on the line last week. Quite a few of you were waiting for calls. I didn't get you. Uh, I don't take calls online no more. I'm not. I'm late entering the 21st century with computers, and uh, I don't like to sit and take calls because I did have an incident a couple years ago 
where I had an obscene caller, and by the time I uh, got to the mute button and um, did the things I was supposed to do, uh, there was about seven minutes that I didn't want on the broadcast. So if you do have, uh, if you do disagree with me about something, I'm giving you my views. Um, I don't understand why people would disagree with me, but they've done it before, and I'm sure they're going to do it in the future. And uh, if you do, email me. And uh, if you're willing to discuss your disagreement, I will give you time either on the air or like I've done in the past. I've uh, given expressed some of those opinions, some of those disagreements in Florida Tennis Magazine. Uh, you always hear my honest opinion, the way Coach John Denise perceives the truth to be, and I respect your opinion, and I'm more than willing to let you share uh, your opinion uh, with me. So uh, just let me know, and who knows, you might either be on the broadcast or in the Florida Tennis Magazine. I would also like to thank um, besides Florida Tennis, for 25 years of giving tennis news, uh, and, I should, and not just in Florida, quite frankly, uh, all the, from all over uh, the country. As a matter of fact, if you pick up this issue of Florida uh, Tennis Magazine, uh, you will see uh, an article in there, um, well, by me, uh, but it's the article um, with the National High School Tennis Coaches Association. Uh, you might recognize them. They're the people that present the top 25 uh, boys high school tennis teams and the top 25 girls high school tennis teams every year. Uh, they have also came out with their uh, inaugural uh, high School Tennis Coaches Hall of Fame, which I'm blessed to be uh, included in one of them. Uh, but they, they represent six different states in the union. I'm sure in 2018 you'll see, well, I'm not sure of anything because uh, uh, it's not my decision who uh, they are. Uh, it's um, Coach Scott Engie that runs that, and uh, he's assured us that he's still going to be doing that, even though he's uh, running uh, uh, a college team now, boys and girls. But he is a special man, and he will I'm sure he'll keep up with that. But you will find an article in there. And, of course, if you went to the uh, Facebook site, uh, Yesterday or the day before, you would have seen an article about, by Jim Martz, the uh, editor and uh, owner of Florida Tennis Magazine, uh, telling you that James Blake uh, is going to be uh, next year going to be the uh, uh, tournament director for the uh, Miami Open. Uh, I did read it. Today, uh, in another uh, article, well, the article actually quoted him, but if you don't have the uh, magazine, uh, somebody's taken the last issue from your club or you, for some reason, you don't subscribe to it, uh, you can always go to uh, org. And uh, where you'll see uh, the page comes up and you'll see Alan Fox come up and Chuck Reese come up and Dr. John Murray and you'll see Florida Tennis. When Florida Tennis comes up, just hit Florida Tennis and uh, you'll be able to get the last issue of the magazine all the time. And, of course, all my articles are also uh, in there, too. So I... Uh, encourage you to sit there and uh, look that way. I would like to also thank Wilson Tennis for uh, being a supporter of high school tennis because my own bias uh, is after coaching 20 years in high school tennis is that the sleeping giant of tennis. Our future uh, tennis pros, our future volunteers, our future uh, USTA league players, 
are all in high school now and our future civic leaders. They're in high school now. And uh, Wilson's a major supporter of them, as well as Flagler Insurance, uh, who uh, has understood that our future leaders are now in high school. They've been a supporter of the All-Star event that, uh, uh, for high school seniors in Florida each year. Uh, it's another subject we'll get into sometime why it was held in 217, but hopefully it'll be held again. And I'm sure if it is, uh, they will be a supporter like Wilson was. And um, also Team Connection. I, I would say that those players and coaches uh, really looked uh, great. And one of the reasons uh, they looked uh, great was that uh, Team Connection uh, dressed them. So it's, uh, we uh, really like to uh, thank them for doing that. And uh, I suspect if the All-Star event uh, came about again, that they would sit and they would be uh, willing to support it again. Who else do I? Well, I really should thank District 15 and JTL to uh, 20 years of providing uh, tennis services in uh, uh, central, uh, eastern uh, Florida. Uh, even though we're a small village, uh, it was a small town. USA need organizations like. Uh, District 15 and JTL, uh, they've been a main supporter of the uh, uh, high school all-star event, too, and hopefully they will uh, be uh, – they would be on board again if uh, the FHSTCA runs the event again. So time will tell. Uh, hopefully it's going to happen. I would like to uh, I talked to you before about emailing me uh, and answering uh, those emails, and I would um, I do that. I apologize for all of you that were online uh, last week when I was uh, talking about uh, why uh, the three uh, people that were really um, most responsible for me bringing my um, high school basketball philosophy into tennis and how it works. Um, and uh, I just uh, don't take calls on the air, like I said. I will uh, answer your emails, uh, though, and I will give you a chance, like I said, to address me or either on the air or in Florida Tennis Magazine. I would like to acknowledge some of those. I had uh, six emails that uh, acknowledged uh, when I talked the least, uh, that those are the broadcast uh, are the best, and I see our mentor on uh, today, so uh, you won't have to agree with me the next time because I won't be doing most of the uh, talking. Uh, I will say, though, that there were three uh, emails that I received that said uh, that the broadcast was pretty good all by myself, and it wasn't bad. Well, uh, I thank you for that, but uh, pretty good is never something that I really strive for in my life. And, uh, you know, approaching 78 years old now, I'm I'm really not ready to accept pretty good now, so I'm going to continue most of the time that uh, I will have our mentors doing most of the talking. Um, the other uh, uh, thing that I uh, wanted to uh, uh, mention, that I also had a few emails uh, after the, about the broadcast and they had uh, mentioned, they said, you always seem to be pushing uh, Chuck Reese's book. And, and uh, they're, 
why, uh, well, how about the other FHS TCA architects that uh, you mentioned in uh, the uh, last June article? Well, I'm really appreciative to all those uh, people, and they all had an influence on, uh, on the FHS TCA certification program in that article I was uh, really trying to address how we came about that certification program, and they were all contributors. And, of course, uh, Coach Greasy was one of those people, and why when in our books we give more points to uh, for the, uh, going to uh, the certifications to, from the beginner to the, uh, the mid-level to a master. But uh, truthfully, the point I was trying to make with uh, Dennis Vandermeer and with Chuck Reese and Nick Saviano was that personally, as many of you know, I came from a basketball uh, concept. And these three people, what they had to offer really was able to bring out what I was looking to uh, project. And that was the point I was making. So all of them, I owe so much to so many people, but these three people were really the influences. And I, as I, and I, and I, I don't apologize. Somebody said I was pushy in one of the emails. Uh, I will continue to be pushy because uh, I, I don't understand why Dennis Vandermeer is not in the Tennis Hall of Fame uh, yet. And uh, quite frankly, if you believe like I believe that tennis is a game of time when you break it all down, we're either buying time or we're taking time away from somebody else. And this is what the, the selection is about. Chuck Greasy, what he did at Clemson and, uh, and conditioning and my beliefs in conditioning and uh, Dennis Vandermeer encouraging me to uh, sit there that uh, you could be a good basketball coach and also a good tennis coach. And quite frankly, my involvement with uh, the PTR uh, would not have been that involved as I was in being the second president of Florida if it wasn't, uh, you know, for Dennis. Our guest is on now. Coach, I've done more uh, talking than I need to, uh, so you're going to be it for a while. How are you today, uh, Coach Christian? I'm fine, and uh, sorry if I got on about two or three minutes late there. I'm rushing through traffic, and I, you know you know how that thing goes, but I'm uh, comfortable now. I'm sitting at home, and I can talk. Uh, gosh, you know, you brought up some things that are really – on my mind, I mean, just like Dennis not being in the Hall of Fame, well, I can I can answer that really quick. Does the, do you folks out there know Dennis's uh, history? He's just he was you know he was not a politically correct guy, John. Uh, Dennis, no. Dennis came over and he was at first he was doing stuff with the USPTA, and he sort of got relegated and. Uh, they didn't like his policies. You know, he's sort of Dennis. Look, he's not a guy to fit in. He's a guy to stand out. So, I don't know the whole story, but bottom line, you know, he in those days he was teaching. Uh, World Tennis Magazine came out once a month, and we got a Dennis Vandermeer article, and we got a Dennis Vandermeer article with, um, you know, Billie Jean King. Usually, he was coaching her, and so mm-hmm. we got the sort of the insight on the latest technical thing, but Dennis tried to belong to the USPTA. Then they had some kind of falling out. He said, to heck with it. I'm going to start my own deal. So he started the USPTR, the professional tennis registry. He just went out and started his own thing. And he made that a big, big hit because he didn't have to stay within the United States. He went out around the world and his professional tennis registry was international. And, of, and uh, of course, he had some great people, and I think in Yaki Calvo, and then he, uh, uh, what, uh, dang it, dang it, um, what's his, I'm slipping my, um, but what's his name that did all the traveling for him? Uh, but anyhow, Dennis went around the world, and he 
he is responsible. He is responsible before the ITF really at getting his standard method around the world. And he's a pioneer. So why isn't he in the Hall of Fame? Well, he probably <laughs> there's a lot of people that maybe uh, uh, the political correctness side on the USPTA might not have liked him so much. And, you know, to tell you the truth, it's uh, the politics in this tennis thing play a big, big part, John. So that's that's, uh, that's it does, one thing. And I, I probably should interject there, one. I probably should interject one more thing today. If I was a young coach, I, I, I like I said uh, last week, I would belong to the USPTA and the PTR. But Absolutely. back then, 30 years ago, uh, when I evaluated, and this is my opinion, it was just it was one was a teaching organization and one was a good old boy network. And coming in and being a basketball coach and joining my son with the John Denise School of Tennis, I recognized I needed all the help I could get. And that was the organization yeah. that could do it. Now, in fairness, today, I think if I was young, I would be a member of both. But I'm not young. And after almost 30 years in the PTR, I'm just staying there. Well, Louis Cap went around and did – most of the work did a lot of work too. He he's uh, I think been inducted into some Hall of Fame, but he did thousands and thousands of mile, miles and hours. And in Yaki Calvo and those guys and their whole operation down there, they did they did a wonderful job. Now the U.S. PTA um, for years had uh, darn it um, was his name again. He passed away. It's Ruffin. No, it wasn't Jim Ruffin. It was. Um, Anyhow, but the point is, is these political organizations, there's no rhyme or reason for him not to be in the Hall of Fame. You know that. And a lot of times they put the Hall of Fame. It just depends on who's on the committee a lot of time like that. And I'm not going to say the politically correct things, but that's the two bits about it. But anyhow, let me, you know, you're talking about the book in my book and let me just say that in 1975, when I started, well, my first year of college coaching, I was a grad assistant at Tennessee Tech in 73 and then 74. I got my master's degree, and I got my job at Clemson in 1975. I was fortunate enough to be an assistant track coach also at Tennessee Tech, and I studied exercise physiology and kinesiology. We had a fantastic health and phys ed department there. And uh, my goal, John, was I wanted to be a high school basketball coach like you were. And uh, I was going to teach high school math and then hopefully, um, you know, work with high school kids, do some tennis and things. And my golly, one summer getting to work for Harry Hopman just changed my whole paradigm. I went and worked for Harry Hopman, and I think I brought this up before, but I was I found out immediately that, Tennis was a rigorous, tough, athletic event. It was not a game. It was a one of the most, the toughest sports in the world. And I knew this from playing. The more athletic you were, the better opportunity you had for winning. But uh, Harry Hopman emphasized athleticism and hard work. And uh, he trained his players like basketball players. So that fit right, right into my um, my thought process, and uh, you know. So the the point being, John and and folks listening out there, you know that tennis tennis before I'd say 1970. Look, it's always needed great athletes to win, but because the skill set with those small rackets and the skill of the hands and things, you'd have a lot of any guys I'm thinking uh, that that looked non-athletic and here in the United States the players came out of California country clubs and some some training centers out there but for the most part it was a country club sport and um, you you had some good athletes come along like Stan Smith of course he was a basketball player and took up tennis late yep. and you had uh you know, some of those, you know, Arthur Ashe, of course, was a brilliant athlete, and he was only played because he had uh, Dr. Johnson helping him there. 
in Richmond, Virginia. And, but you had some, but for the most part, the athletes probably would not be up to par in other sports, maybe soccer or something. But the long story short, John, is that when I started coaching at Clemson, I put my kinesiology, I mean my scientific, principle, scientific principles of coaching, and my basketball background all together and said, look, and it was a matter of survival. I said, I'm a pretty young guy, and I was, I was smart enough to know that when you were competing against North Carolina or Florida or Georgia, if we didn't get the Clemson program rolling, I was only going to be there a couple years, maybe. And I, I, uh, I remember thinking, well, if I get fired after a couple years, I, I was going to go back and work on my Ph.D. And um, the bottom line is I went to work and just said, we will watch it. And reading They Call Me Coach, Johnny Wooden's book, who we all love, John. Yep. Uh, back then I read his book, and he talked about conditioning and that we will be the best conditioned team. I love Vince Lombardi, and uh, remember he said that his famous quote was, we will pursue perfection, and although perfection cannot be caught, as a result, we will catch excellence. And, uh, you know, so the point is, the goal was to be the most fit team in the Atlantic Coast Conference and be the most fit team in the South and hopefully the most fit team in the United States. Yesterday on my show... I was able to talk about uh, a young man named Jamin Thompson, and uh, his article was "Lessons Learning from Learn from Hard Work," and uh, he had a great, great article in July, I think, of February, February, July of 2012. And it was Jamin Thompson. Look that up, folks. But he he described the training program at Clemson and how hard we worked. But we got in there, and it took about 18 months to turn the culture around. And we had some good athletes that were leftover basketball players, and they started working harder. And then as freshmen came in, the new culture perpetuated itself, John. And as the freshmen came in, they worked hard, and they knew the standard and uh, from the start, they knew the mile times they had to make. They knew the weight room work. And, John, for the first five years, we gained on every team in the country by light years because nobody else was doing the fitness like we were. No one else was doing the weight work, going to the weight room three days a week. No one else was running stadium steps. No one else was doing the fitness. So not only did it help our guys on the court and it allowed them to maximize their tennis skills where they were, I'd say a lot of our guys had average tennis skills, but they were superior athletes. And in doing so, that neutralized a lot of things. And we started to win and it perpetuated. Then I think in the early 1980s, other team, LSU, Jerry Simmons told me when we were, he saw our workouts running stadiums and things, he started having his guys run the stadium. I remember Ole Miss. I remember a guy at Houston, Lee Mary, was a wonderful man. And he said, you guys are so physical. You guys are so physical. And um, so other people started following what we were doing. And why read my book? My first book was written in 1988, and it had all of the physical training in there. And um, the followed up, the, the that was the – total tennis training then the coaching tennis book was total tennis training plus about five more chapters plus updated plus it's a better book for coaching but folks if you want to gain ground it's not done look you can hit four hands till you blue in the face but if you can't get to the ball if you can't compete like an athlete well let me say this if you can do that if you can compete like an athlete and you do look at it like an athletic event, you're going to be light years, especially in high school tennis, above other people. You want to win in high school tennis, outwork everybody else, get everybody in shape. And it's, you know, I've told high school coaches this before. I don't want to simplify any, that many things. But I would tell them, John, if you, every one of your players can get to the sixth ball, Ball number six in every rally, and you're in better shape than the other players, you're going to win about every high school match. 
So that's, that's how the physical fitness part started, John. And then from there, uh, the, you know, my golly, 1992 was sort of the anti-Clemson run where the coaches, the Ivy Leaguers and the coaches that weren't working hard are the people that did not develop their talent. The people who weren't going to work hard, they basically threw enough rocks where they cut all the work hours back. They cut the work ethic back. And what happened in 1992 is you couldn't outwork people anymore. We used to outwork everybody. And now the, you can work as hard as you want, but you can't get uh, enough done. The great done thing and, about the great thing, like I said, coming in from basketball, and we all have our own biases, uh, but, I mean, the great thing about the book to me, and, the, and I had in the John Denny School of Tennis, all our assistant coaches had the book. My coach high school, my associate coaches had the book. But it's not just the idea that you broke the, you know, the book into the physical third, the mental third, the emotional third. But it, selfishly, you reinforce my position that the game of tennis is really a game of time, and you're trying to take time away from people, and you're, or you're trying to buy time. And in basketball, that's what we were doing. You tried to take people out of the rhythm. And then when I got to the warlord uh, directional section, <laughs> You know, you had, you had me hooked then. And then, of course, you know, I always, you and I discussed this before, and I discussed it with some of his assistants. I always felt there should have been another book that came on that really explained where you should be recovering to. I, it drives me crazy yeah. when I see somebody hit the ball and they're standing still. Well, well we're always evolving with the game, and, and there are – as I look back at the book, there's not much different uh, difference that I would put into my book. There's probably 10% more information I'd like to do. I've really gotten the momentum control tactics and the strategies for momentum control uh, perfect. I, I, I hate to say perfected, but I've got them down where I'm now teaching them to – I've done some talks for some a few businessmen, and, and I've done some talks for – but I'm able to explain it more concisely and where it understands because it was always a theory and a belief and a, and, and a passion. Since 1979, I started working on momentum control, but I absolutely have a system down with eight simple rules, and I can teach any level of player in order this. I've, and, uh, again, this is so many years of thinking deeply about the momentum of tennis um, that, that we have it down. But so the physical fitness, here's John, I wanted to make this point. Maybe we could go in this direction. I talked yesterday on my radio show about the talent code. I think any of you high school coaches, any parent out there listening to John's show right now, um, first of all, I, the most important book I think you could get more important than mine or any book in tennis is called The Talent Code. <clears throat> this book was written Fantastic in 2009, 2009, but it reinforces that work matters. And um, I don't want to go into a long discussion like I did in my show yesterday, folks. You can go back and listen to my show. My show was entitled yesterday, um, Hard Work is Still the Best Way to Go. Um, for excellence in, in the I could just bottom line. You for, Coach, if I could interrupt you for just a minute. Sure, The great sure. thing Go, about Block Talk Radio is that you can tune in at your time. I Two weeks ago, I interrupted Chuck's show because I just had, was listening at that time. I haven't heard yesterday's broadcast yet, but you can bet your life I will hear it. And Dan Coyle's second book is The Little Book of Talent, which uh, is another book that you should see. Go ahead, Coach. But I want people to understand they can tune in anytime and catch your show or my show, and that's the great thing about Block Talk Radio. Right. And, and folks, if you'll go to chuckcreasy.net, .net, K-R-I-E-S-E.net, you can get over 100 of my past shows. Just go there to the Yellow Ball Network. Scroll down and go to the show. 
And you, we, we've been discussing the importance of hard work. And, and I'm so, so passionate about getting the word out to parents and coaches and teachers and kids that, listen, it's still about sweat and it's still about hard work. I'm so frustrated because they're dumbing the game down with the scoring systems and all that. I don't want to go there. But the more you make it a non-athletic event and you make it a participation sport, and you, you are, are an after-school activity, it, the, it's just frightening because, folks, you know, if, the more we dumb it down, we do not allow the cream or the achievers or the hard workers to run to the front of the pack. We keep bringing the cream back into the bucket and making it average again and saying, no, you've, you, you've got – and this whole mentality about participation breeding excellence, it does not work. Excellence breeds participation. But the talent code, let me just go here with this. So I'm reading it again for about the third time this week because schools slowed down. And, again, it, it, the first whole chapter goes into the way that – People get good at things, and it starts out with the, the uh, Daniel Coyles talking about going to Brazil to study how the Brazilians got good with the overload principle, uh, using smaller balls, smaller smaller court, but where they had to get skills. When what, basically how the Russians got better in tennis with the women, how the pockets of music excellence happened, how the pockets of different um, different pockets where excellence was bred. And guess what? It also compared, you know, in the, in the sport of soccer, how pathetic we have 330 million people in this country. And I think they said in the article I read that I talked about two weeks ago, 130 million people are exposed to soccer or something like, 30, I forget how many, just thousands and thousands of kids play. But we get beat by Tobago and Trinidad that has 1.3 million people in the whole country. They don't have any money. We have the best facilities, the best coaches, the best fields, the best everything. But our kids are dumbed down, very much like we are doing in tennis. We are dumbing our kids down. We do not let excellence run to the front of the pack. So Daniel Coyle talks about that first, folks, with um, the talent code and how myelin tissue is formed. And it's not about kids being exposed to stuff. It's about the hunger of their mind searching for answers, the hunger of an inquisitive mind and searching for answers. But then it goes into deep practice and what that is, and then 10,000 reps. And you basically, I narrowed it down to this on my radio show, I've always said motivating factors, peers, pain, pleasure, the three P's. You got to be around the right people. You got to be around other hungry people and people that are seeking excellence as well. Number one. Number two, the reward, or excuse me, pain. In other words, pain if you don't do well. When you dislike losing enough, when you dislike having a forehand that's not good enough, when you dislike losing to the same player enough, you will learn how to win. So the pain. But here's the point. The reward is the very interesting thing. We talk also a little bit about the dopamine faucet of the brain. The dopamine faucet of the brain is the pleasure center of the brain. When you do well or when you make contact with the ball, a person has to get great a great feeling out of making good contact. We all know what it feels like to hit a jump shot, uh, to hit a perfect golf ball, uh, to hit a perfect tennis ball, to uh, hear the music that we love around Christmas time, what the dopamine gets set off 20 times a day around Christmas when we see our loved ones and our relatives. But, But, folks, here's what's happening. Our cell phones are hijacking the dopamine faucet of the brain so our kids do not get the rush out of doing something over and over and over and over again well when they have these cell phones that basically desensitize 
the receptors and, and, and they, these cell phones, the kids are getting more of a buzz out of their phone ringing and looking up stuff on the cell phone. It's like an appendage or something. So anyhow, John, I wanted to say that, look, that was a long lead in there. And, you know, uh, but the bottom line on the thing, I wanted to give a little bit of history on that book. But folks, go out and read the talent code. <laughs> you want to coach? Read the talent code. It'll change your whole perspective on every. No, no, it'll reinforce that old school was pretty dang good. Old school is not old fashioned. Old school is, you know, is is the way to do it, folks. If you want to be at a sport, so uh, Coach John, um, what would you I like? I couldn't agree with like you more, you Coach. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, like I said, his second book. Uh, the little book of talent sits right next to my computer on my uh, desk. Uh, both of them are outstanding books. And like I started this broadcast, and I people, when you write an article like I did, uh, I don't know, about six months ago, uh, who the architects of tennis coaching was, you're always leaving out people, and you know there's. People that I didn't include in the, that article, like I've said since, they're probably sitting on uh, in my office on uh, my bookshelf. I, you just can't read enough. And I ask the question every week, is tennis an after-school activity or an after-school sport? And I think it was last June I wrote an article on that, and people say, you're asking too much. There's too much of a challenge. Uh, I, I I agree with those people. If we don't ask the question, if we don't respect each other and listen to each other, then it is too much. So we're not going to change it. But how are you willing to accept well, mediocrity? I mean, I, I, I just no, struggle I, with that. Don't parade as a sport when it's just an after-school activity. Let me give you a for example. Last weekend, I went to the South Carolina Tennis Association meetings, and I go down. I primarily go there because I want to talk to coaches in different groups about the bastardization of our scoring system. I'm a, I'm addressing it now as an ideology. Number one, you coaches out there listening to this, you parents, you players. Number one, you either believe our first job and USTA especially. Your first job is, is it to protect the history and the heritage of the game, or is it to market it? Now, most of you say, well, we hope we could do both. Well, you're right, but you don't bastardize something in order to market it. A coach asked me, uh, you know, something like, hey, uh, uh, um, you know, what, what about uh, – this is not a, probably the best analogy – but he says, hey, can't we market it? I said, here's what you guys are doing. My, I, I coach college guys, and we've got a couple fellas that, you know, they always talk about, hey, I dated 10 girls this summer. Well, okay, but is that anywhere close to the way you're going to feel about the, the woman that you spend the rest of your life with? Okay, one is special, special, special. These other are just acquaintances. In a participation sport, we are making it into every time we bastardize the sport more by making it abbreviated, shorter, or whatever. I said, you guys basically are cheapening it. It's just sort of like, hey, I got had a weekend date with so-and-so. Uh, it's like renting a car versus owning, owning a car. Yeah, it's, it's flashy for a season. John, this was comical. This was comical. One guy said to me, Oh, my God, all of our adults are going to pickleball. Why? I said, stop. 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 Wait. wait I... Oh, my. Everybody, pickleball is going to become the sport that overtakes tennis. Give me a break. We should be worried about pickleball. Pickleball is just like it's, it's a weekend trend. It's a fad. You know, and, and again, the USTA is worried about pickleball. Give me a break. Give me a break. That That's comical. That's like the, the NFL worrying about flag football or something. It's getting popular. With, again, they're, they're missing the boat, John. The first duty is to protect the history and the heritage of the game, to honor it. 
so what we've got now, uh, we, ha- we I went into a room, and um, I, I stood up and I said, look, our sleeping giants are high school tennis and small town tennis. We've been pushing, pushing, pushing inner city tennis, inner city tennis. I know we want all of the the minorities to play and all the political correct stuff that goes on in the cities. But city kids do not, they want to fit in. They do and stay in. They don't, they want to fit in. They don't want to stand out. The small town kids want to stand out, get out. And they, they small town, 74% of all our professional athletes guys out there, come from towns of less than 50,000 people. So, John, here's the deal. Hey, if it's going to be an after-school activity, it's just, just call it a, an after-school activity. Don't call it a sport. I told everybody there, those of you who are high school coaches, in 40 years of head and assistant coaching, John, you know how many times I've ever been to a high school dual match to watch kids play? Ever. Yeah. Ever, John. Yeah. Zero. Zero. Now, here is why. I told them dual match tennis is the most antiquated. It's a mixer sport. It is a – dual match tennis is good for beginners. Dual match tennis – is okay for a certain time of the season, but tournament tennis is the way to go. If you could do a hybrid like Texas does, coaches, if you could do dual matches in the fall for, let's say, six to eight weeks and then do tournament tennis all spring, put the boys and the girls together. It doesn't matter. I don't care what you do in that dual match tennis. You know, just do world team tennis. Well, it doesn't matter. But team put tournament tennis as a different sport. Your athletic directors would be thrilled. You could have four sports. You have tournament tennis. You have team tennis. You have two boys and girls. They get two extra sports, just like uh, track and field. You get three times for the money for track and field. In tennis, you could have two different sports for boys and girls. The boys could play either team or tournament tennis. Guess what? Texas already does this. Guess what? At Texas high school coaches last week, I bet you they had 200, 250 kids out there, John, or excuse me, coaches. They used to be at New Braunfels every year. They've just got a really great situation out there. You know, they, they do a super situation. They so do we're a fantastic job. There's no question about it. Yeah, Texas does a fantastic job there. I've been blessed to be invited out there a couple of years ago to speak. And, uh, you know, I always said with Florida, when we grow up, I wanted to be just like them. But they do a great job. Yeah, it's really funny. I think, you know, college, let, let me tell you what happened in Florida. Do you know that my first 10 years of, re- of recruiting, I, Florida, I would always go to Ocala for the uh, Florida State hard courts. And then the high school tournament was always uh, down in Haynes Park, I think it was, in Tampa area. But right. these were I – I, I think I got five or six great players from the – I got Mark Dixon, Rick Rudine, John Dunes, Mike Indafo, and I'm trying to think who else I recruited there. But I got some darn good players from there. Now – when the academy started, all of the high schools started using the Nick Bolletary kids or the academy kids, and it pushed all of our American kids by the wayside. Somebody should have jumped in and said, look, guys, you're not allowed to use ringers. <laughs> if, you don't have, if the parents don't have a resident here, the kid doesn't play. He can't just be and, – and, you know, people cry discrimination and all this, but just think – of how that broke up high school tennis in Florida and really hurt it. Gainesville, Florida, my golly, do you know that they had, I'm trying to think, Andy Solis, John Ross, uh, 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 let's see, uh, Real Baxter, Ed Ross, 
Shelby Cannon. They were all taught by the coach was uh, Baxter. Dang it. What was his? That was the state championship team there one year. What a great high school team. All those kids were Gainesville, born and bred. All those kids were, were from there. And uh, all those kids played college tennis. I mean, the Ross boys, I mean, Andy Solis played at Auburn. The Ross boys both played at SMU. Real Baxter played at Pepperdine. Shelby Cannon was All-American at Tennessee. This is one high school team, five kids, all of them played major college tennis. Isn't that something, John? And they were all American-born. Well, the problem, and, uh, one, of the problems, the, one of the problems, Coach, was that, in my opinion, is that we've we never been able to separate what happens. You talk about small-town USA, and, and I come from a small town. We're a fishing village in Florida, and uh, we don't have the academies with us. We don't have that player. So I've been blessed to have a state champions and district champions and uh, sent a lot of kids to college. Well, but I never had a team that from top to bottom was a strong team. And that becomes the challenge of a high school coach is how to do that. The, the, usually yeah, those teams right. come from private schools and private academies, right. yep. and we've there never we been go. able to separate them. They should exist. Well, but you I ought think to they... separate the daggone things, John. I'm telling you, listen, in high school, you guys have all these rules that keep you from practicing in the summers, <laughs> but then you allow all the ringers to come in. And in college, <laughs> look what we've done to college. Look what we've done to college. You have all these rules. Oh, you can't practice more than four hours. Oh, you can't practice this. You can only play 25 matches a year. All these rules that dumb down the work ethic, but all that happened was it stimulated the international recruiting. And nobody, our leadership is pathetic in the ITA. It's pathetic in college tennis. And I don't care. I've been in 40 years. Call me, you guys. Come on. You know, they, John, they, they just can't stand. They won't, you know, they, every time I walk around, you know, they, they don't like it because I tell them what is the doggone truth. All the international recruiting and no limits on it and no jurisdiction, no rules. And what happened, we ended up having, you know, uh, a tremendous amount of professional players playing. And then the doggone rules pushed forward by the ITA became, oh, you can make up to $10,000 a year now, John, and play college tennis. Did you know that? Right. Right. Okay. I know. Okay. I know. This is college tennis. Put together money tournaments. This is why I got Go involved in high school tennis, because when I was president of the USPTR Florida section, Coaches were saying, don't let your kid play high school tennis. I said, that's bull. And today, college tennis is facing the same thing we faced in high school Uh, 25 years ago. And college was the training ground for the United States pros. We're we're going backwards. (laughs) Now it's laughable. We only have two pros. Listen, folks. Listen, here's statistics. Do you know that men and women combined in 1986-87, we had more than 40 men and women in the top 100 in the world that were American-born, went to college, and are out there. Do you know today how many we have? We have one female and two males. Three. Three. John Isner. Okay. Uh, Stevie Johnson. And I think Nicole Gibbs. And that's it. And how you know how long it's been for a female side since we had somebody go to American college on a female side and become top 100 in the world? Go back to Gretchen Rush and, and probably the couple of the kids from, I think, uh, let's see, what was the girl? Falcone girl went to Georgia Tech, the great, the great coach, uh, Brian Shelton. By the way, you've got probably – the premier guy down there and wonderful man and a great coach at University of Florida. But when he was at Georgia Tech, he trained this girl, Elena Falcone, and she got up to top 100. But, John, it's pathetic. So what happens is we bring in all of the failed professionals from other countries. You ba- they basically go play pro tennis a couple years. 
Then they say, you right. know what? I'm not probably going to make the tour, so let me go to college. So they bring in, instead of recruiting a kid from Florida, they'll bring in a top 400, a top 500 kid in the world. Somebody that's played two years pro tennis, and, and it's, it's awful. And, and you know what? Nobody's against these young amateurs from other countries. No, it's not about discrimination against other. You know what we're against, folks? We're against bringing professionals in. And you know what happened? And because the ITA didn't have the guts, they didn't have the guts or the leadership to do what needed to be done, and then people started crying bloody murder. You know what they did? Oh, okay. Well, uh, let's just put a $10,000 cap on what they've made. $10,000 per year, John? It's crazy. You've got to be... You've got to be top 400, top 300 in the world to make $10,000 a year. Right. I mean, it's, it's absolutely absurd. So uh, maybe coach, we ought to have – Let's one last coach, thing. Let folks out there experiment with having money tournaments for kids. Would your kids rather there's have an a, idea. What's your there's kids an rather idea. There's an idea. Hey, wouldn't your kid rather get two or 300 bucks than a little cheap mm-hmm. trophy, plastic trophy? Hey, it's legal. It's legal now. You can make yeah. money up to ten thousand a year. The foreign kids can do it. I mean, coach, let's, let's make just, money. Uh, coach, we've got to wrap up. We just shot uh, just about okay. a whole hour here, and I've got to let the people know that uh, you know. I, I thank you for being on. We okay. should. I've got to schedule much longer because John. I could talk to you forever. Five seconds. Uh, but Five listen seconds. to a show, Block Talk Radio. You can go in and catch uh, yesterday's broadcast. I'll probably do it later on tonight because, truthfully, I didn't do it. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to. Uh, Bobby and I are going to be uh, leaving first thing in the morning. We're heading north. I know I'm crazy leaving sunny Florida, but uh, family's important. And we're going to be gone for a while. Uh, Alan Fox and Chuck Reese will be joining us back in February. We're not going to do a broadcast because of the holiday seasons. Uh, We won't return until January 18th uh, with Linda LeClaire on then. And then back when we get in February, the Lord willing, uh, we'll be back with our uh, normal schedule again. And most of the time, I, I do understand, I do appreciate the comments that we had about last week's show. I promise you that it won't be too often. You'll have to listen to me do a whole show, and that's why we're not going to have no uh, broadcast during the holiday season. Uh, those of you who um, hope to start celebrating Hanukkah a couple of days ago, I hope you enjoy the season. I wish everybody Merry Christmas for the uh, coming into uh, the Christmas season. I pray that you all uh, enjoy the Happy New Year, but please be safe. Enjoy the family. Uh, I'm blessed to have a great family. Other than being fearful of uh, the cold, I'm working my way up to uh, Connecticut slowly. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be in Savannah for two, three days, and we'll be in North Carolina. We're going to spend uh, three or four days in uh, D.C., and eventually we'll get to Connecticut, but we're not going to have a broadcast until then. Uh, we, we don't have a um, – my comments, uh, we're going to skip today because I think it was much more important that we hear uh, Coach Creasy, what he had to say, and I think you understand – why I said these three individuals that were so important uh, with the philosophy of bringing basketball into tennis because conditioning is so important. I suggest to you when you're not watching the tennis channel, now that we're in the basketball season, watch basketball. See how important the rhythm is. See the mistakes people make when they take somebody out of rhythm. See the fast break, that playing defense, how important that is, and how defense goes to offense immediately. Uh, And if you're not an athlete, you're not going to play basketball. And today, I don't believe you're going to play basketball. And this is why 
my own bias, I, uh, not only uh, coaching tennis was important, but quite frankly, I followed Coach Tracy around uh, when he was at the PTIs. I always made sure I saw that because what he did in the early days at Clemson, and, not that, and he's still a great, great coach, but he recognized that he could compete if he got everybody in condition. And this is the same thing could happen in high school. So I thank you for coming, Coach. Thank you for being on the broadcast. Uh, I appreciate you spending the time and doing all you do. And I look forward to talking with everybody after the holidays. Have a blessed holiday. You too, John. Thank Bye-bye. you.